This is Dan Fagell, and you're listening to the AI and Business Podcast. Uh, this is our Tuesday episode where we focus on use cases and AI impact across industries and what industry is, rightly, getting more attention than healthcare right now. Probably none. Even when I'm not working, I'm thinking about how the system is going to deal with what we're going through right now as a country and around the world and what that's going to look like moving forward. And we speak with someone who's got an interesting perspective on just that. Gary Swart, who is with us on one of our Thursday episodes for Making the Business Case. Gary joins us again. Gary's a partner at Polaris Venture Partners. He was previously the CEO of a company called uh, Odesk, which is now a rather large outsourced kind of working company, remote work company called Upwork. Uh, And Gary invests a good deal in the kind of med tech space and pharmaceuticals. And I speak with Gary about where artificial intelligence is going to find pockets of opportunity after this big pandemic. Where will the investment money go? And where are the areas people should be looking in terms of how AI will transform the future of healthcare? We published a recent article on Emerge.com called Artificial Intelligence for Pandemic Response. And some of you I know have probably already read that. If not, you can type that into Google or type Pandemic Response when you're on Emerge.com and you'll see it. For those of you who are Emerge Plus members, we have an entire new white paper on artificial intelligence opportunities in a pandemic. You can download that white paper if you're a Emerge Plus member by just clicking on the white paper library when you explore our insights tab. If you're not yet an Emerge Plus member and you want to have access to our full library of AI white papers, as well as our full collection of artificial intelligence use cases. These are particularly useful for people who need to make the business case. If you're selling AI-related services or you work within a company and you need to convince the C-suite of sort of where the trends are and where things are headed, Emerge Plus is worth looking into. You can go to emerj.com p1 and learn more about what's included in Emerge Plus, including the library of white papers, one of which is pandemic-related. So I know there's going to be folks that will be interested in that. Without further ado, I'll let Gary do the talking. This is Gary's with Polaris Partners here on the Artificial Intelligence in Business podcast. So Gary, you're with Polaris and you folks have been increasingly focused on investing at the intersection of technology and healthcare. Obviously, AI is a big part of the mix. You you and I talked first about AI years ago. Uh, obviously, you've seen much more since then and now you've seen much more in healthcare. When you think about coming out of coronavirus, where the pockets of opportunity and, and maybe for business opportunity are really going to be at the intersection of AI and health, what jumps out at you? Oh, my gosh, Dan, there's so much. Um, As you mentioned, you know, we've been in business for 22 years, investing at a fund nine now, and have always been diverse in investing across services, software, uh, devices and drugs. And as you noted, we're focused more on healthcare. We realize that our our performance has been good. We also recognized, you know, over the last couple of years that obviously was going to be a growing category. And Sometimes luck plays into it. I I definitely applaud my partners for having this strategic (laughs) vision. But, you know, we're really focused on bringing treatments to to patients. We have 30 plus products directly in the market with uh, patients across drug services and devices. And so the opportunities are vast. I mean, from detection, you know, like using AI to identify, track, and forecast outbreaks, for example. Like, you know, even using uh, cell phone data to figure out who's actually been in contact with who to identify, you know, where where is it happening and where is it spreading? And even to help diagnose viruses going forward. So I think that COVID has been, you know, really shined a light 
on what can happen and what massive impacts it can have on society and the economy and globalization. And it's really boundless. Yeah, there's so many directions to go in. And I'd love to pick one or two that you see. We're, we actually have a, a white paper coming out inside of some of the listeners actually right now. Some of you are Emerge Plus members. So in Emerge Plus, we have our AI white paper library. We're always producing stuff. Big white paper coming out on drug development, pandemic prediction, and also mobile diagnostics, because we just think that absolutely there's going to be so much attention on that now and even in the near future. When you think about where you're investing, you mentioned drugs, there's a bunch of pockets. Can we pick one and kind of pry it open and talk about the AI value and the AI opportunity? Sure. I think in general, Dan, I think it's important to note that you know tech meets healthcare. Uh, yep, we've yep. always said that software is eating the world, and now we're seeing that healthcare is doing the same. Like healthcare is eating the world. Well, technology oh. is taking over in healthcare applications. Yes, yes, yes. Yep. We've seen traditional workflows and needs in enterprise software arise now in healthcare settings. And it was really interesting because my partners started who have traditionally done healthcare start coming to me and saying, "Hey, could you lean in on this? Can you help us with this one?" And like we started seeing need for more of the tech conversation in healthcare. Huh. Are there any particular, let's say, processes that you're seeing upgraded or challenged or changed in ways that are significant in just the last few years that maybe you could highlight in terms of talking about this transformation that, that I think you have a closer view on than almost anyone? Yeah, I would say, you know, in the context of AI, it's empowering decision making across the board. And now it's being talked a lot in the context of drug discovery and development. Hmm. And we're seeing, uh, I think that is much more in the forefront of the conversation today than ever before. Uh, So one example in healthcare is a company called OM1, basically measuring outcomes. And we invested in OM1. So with the ability to better measure outcomes, we can better move towards the goal of value-based care. Another one of our companies using data in healthcare is a company called Kensai. Yeah, so Kensai up in Seattle in healthcare administration and decision-making for proactive intervention. We're seeing AI in one of our companies, Quartet Health, and that's uh, leveraging data for better identifying patients with undiagnosed mental health conditions. And so actually, and another one, Freenome is one. (laughs) You're just pulling uh, the whole list up here, huh? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I'm looking for our portfolio. Yeah, yeah. Why not? Why not? They're all using data. Freenome is analyzing uh, immune signals in blood for early cancer detection. And so all of these are examples of AI in healthcare, whether it's mental health, cancer, drug discovery and development, uh, or measuring outcomes, or healthcare data. These are examples that didn't exist 10 years ago. Yeah, you know, and I'm thinking about there's going to be IT and AI services companies, you know, consultancies even that tune into these episodes, and they're, they're trying to sell to the big healthcare folks, the big drug companies, even the government, and sort of help them with this transformation. There's obviously vendors listening in as well. And so I'm thinking from their perspective as sellers too, who's going to have money in healthcare after this is done? I mean, I can imagine 
I don't know. There's some drug companies maybe that, that this will really hurt them, this downturn. Maybe maybe there's others where they're really going to grow a lot. You know, Maybe some public sector areas around pandemics or health in general are going to have more money when this is through. But maybe if there's that much less tax revenue, they're going to have less. You know, we think about who can buy these big complicated systems often you know not that ai is always complicated but it's it's a new world of operating and healthcare is not exactly a uh, hyper modern in most quadrants of healthcare who's going to be left standing or in the strongest position to adopt yeah it's a great question if you look at the different constituents in the healthcare chain the payers uh, the insurance company the payers the hospitals there's uh, senior care uh, SNFs, they call them, so the elder care facilities. There's aging in place for the people in the home. There's healthcare service providers. Everybody is getting stretched right now. Somebody told me something interesting about the hospital that I didn't realize that, you know, the hospitals right now are not overwhelmed. I know in New York they are where where um, COVID has taken the, the biggest hold. But for the most part, hospitals send everybody home and saying, we don't want to see patients right now. Postpone elective surgeries. Uh, don't come in unless it's absolutely necessary. Yeah. And so somebody was telling me, a doctor friend was saying that, the Stanford hospital is empty. And Whoa, that's okay. because they're preparing for the potential onslaught from COVID. So they, they had to clear out. But that's where they make their money. You don't make money on, on COVID. And yeah, so, no, 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 you don't. So the hospitals that run typically on very thin margins to begin with, I think are going to be in a world of hurt. Oh, man. And so you start to think about what are going to be the downstream implications. And of course, payers as well, didn't see this coming. And so costs there are, are going to go through the roof. And, you know, insurance companies are in the business of not providing insurance. And from my perspective, um, anytime I need something done, I end up paying tremendous amounts out of pocket because I didn't follow the rules. I went out of network. I, I don't know, whatever it is, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. personal beef. But um, and there's this increased consumerization of healthcare. Like people slash patients becoming more empowered to own their experience. You know, we've seen this with things like Apple rolling out uh, health studies and the Apple Watch, for example. Like I'm gathering more data on my wrist than ever before. And there's a whole bunch of companies that are basically trying to put the patient at the center of healthcare. We've looked at dozens of these companies that are saying, look, you're the patient. You should own all of your data wherever you go and make it easier for you to do whatever you want with your data. If you want to participate in a study or you want to help mankind by sharing all of your data because it, it may help us to uh, find a cure or prevent uh, a disease or whatever. And I think now than ever, people want to participate in that. Where a few years ago, you were probably more guarded with your personal health data, right? Yeah, yeah. This is taking me back to the business model. You know, thinking about people who, you know, in this market, like you said, hospitals are going to get clobbered. It's like, okay, you make your money on, you know, a hip replacement. You make your money on whatever these various and sundry treatments are. But of course, you're trying to turn those down because you don't want more spread and you don't want more spread of people that might already be be sick and be compromised in some way. And 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 so we're going to consciously, just like every other business in the market, more or less, we're going to consciously take such a big financial hit. And then when the COVID wave comes, you know, which it feels like we have yet to hit the peak here in the States uh, at, at the time of this recording, it feels like we're not making money from that either. So the leftovers 
do we really have the fertile ground to start adopting realistically that much new tech in the hospitals? When you talk about this consumer health, consumer at the center kind of ball game, who pays for that? How is money made? And you got a couple examples of these business models, Gary? Well, what we were just talking about, like uh, people, like if, if a company gives you the ability to aggregate your public data, your data, the benefit for you is that now all of your records are in one place. You can see a timeline of your health coverage over the last 20 years. Like this is your life, Dan, and here's everything about you. Now, because they provided you with that ease of use and great user interface and the ability to know when you were prescribed that medication and how long you took it and et cetera, all in one place, as opposed to having to call the doctor who went out of business saying, hey, can I get uh, that MRI from? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yep. So who pays for that? If the company is offering that to you for free, then who pays for it? Well, the pharma companies will pay for that. That anonymized (laughs) data is incredibly valuable to them to try and figure out what drugs they should be developing or selling, right? Oh, man. Gary, you wouldn't believe, I mean, maybe you would. I mean, you you invest in these companies. So we, we follow startups. We get to see how the landscape of capabilities is evolving in pharma and healthcare and track how people are doing, interview founders, all that stuff. And we find so many companies. Number one, I would never want to sell AI to healthcare proper. That is to say hospitals, et cetera. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and lie to you, Gary. I would rather run a restaurant. I'm not even joking. That's how averse I would be to just how complicated and and horrendous it seems from the outside. So many of those firms end up, if they survive, finding some way to wrap their funding to come from places that can actually pay, like Merck and Bayer. And what you're talking about is kind of the similar thing. You know, it feels like a healthcare application, but ultimately, where's the dollars going to come from? Well, it'll come from the people that can actually, you know, have coffers to draw from. Do you see pharma? funding a lot of what will be innovation in healthcare as as the hospitals get hammered here. Absolutely. Oh, man. Yeah, absolutely. Pharma pharma is in the business of uh, developing and selling uh, drugs. That's it. And saving lives too. Let's, let's not forget well, yeah, that. Of course, of course. Yeah, improving the human condition hopefully here. And as we both know, there's massive amounts of opportunity there. I mean, with, you know, we're dealing with a lot of big health issues today. And so developing drugs can be incredibly uh, profitable for these companies while doing good. Yeah, yeah. In the world. And so, you know, I invest in a clinical trial software company that's helping to develop uh, drugs better, cheaper, faster, right? Trying to organize the data, reusing assets. Right now, that process is broken. So despite the fact that there's rewards for speed to market, there's still a lot of antiquated components of that industry. So, uh, and AI is a massive opportunity there. It is. The farmers will pay for the data. They'll pay for the data. They'll, They'll pay for anything that'll get a blockbuster, right? A little bit of a better odds to a blockbuster. I mean, the way I explained, I did a big talk about AI and drug development for the OECD not all that long ago, and we ended up having to talk to a ton of companies in this space. I mean, the uh, benevolent.ai's of the world and a lot of the players that are that are trying to overhaul this market. And you know, you think about it, pharma is one of these rare industries where really data heavy, really lengthy, also quite risky gambles on. Will this tech investment, will this approach work is actually kind of normal for business to some degree. So so the ability to endure 
that inherent risk and iteration and lengthy R&D process that sometimes a new AI process involves maybe will be more digestible to pharma. And of course, as I think you've also addressed, they have the coffers for it. So it sounds like you're expecting more funding into the drug dev space once this is through. Yeah. And I think in general, like not only in drug dev, but you know, processing healthcare claims and streamlining the, uh, the, the operations there. And, you know, we invested in a, um, a company called Nomad and Nomad is helping to reshape the healthcare workforce. So think of it almost as like an upwork for uh, clinicians, for nurses and doctors. And in this world where uh, doctors may want to change, they may want to work more via uh, telehealth yeah, or yeah. they may want to six months out of the year, leave New York and work in Florida, but you have to be credentialed and you have to have a job. And so the the finding and matching and the flexibility and uh, hence the term nomad of a, of a clinical workforce, I think they're forward thinking on the future of work role in healthcare. Yeah. Well, you know, one of those, uh, the gods are smiling on them, right, Gary? I mean, uh, <laughs> one of those things you couldn't have predicted, these telehealth companies, it's like, what an amazing time to be alive for them, huh? I really like your personal gripe with health insurance, by the way. I think that's funny. There's a great headline here for this episode, which could be Gary's personal gripes with, uh, <laughs> with health insurance firms. <laughs> because that was a fun, I think a lot of people share the sentiment, but, you know, the playful sentiment you had there. Closing note here, do you see them any pockets of health insurance coming out any stronger here? Or is this big, unpredictable wave so heavy, we should just plan on that whole sector potentially being less moneyed for the next X? Or do you think they're going to stay robust, have an ability to pay, you know, still be strong coming out of this? I know we don't have a crystal ball, but I'd love your take. Yeah, I, I think there's opportunities here is the way I look at it. <laughs> there's opportunities to help the payers to, to you know, th things where, you know, we've looked at a lot of mental health companies. And this is really interesting. You know, there's some percentage of the population that social services is going to get taken care of, right? The government's going to pay for yep, mental yep. health. And then there's the other end of the spectrum where people can afford to pay for their own mental health. And then there's 80% in the middle that can't afford it or don't know where to go. And insurance companies traditionally have not been helpful here. They, maybe they give you a list of 20 practitioners, but you get through 10 on the list and they're not available, they're booked, they don't want you as a patient, they're out of business, they're more than 50 mile radius from your house, you know, like, or quite frankly, you end up at the bottom of the list and they're just not that good or helpful. And so delivering quality mental health, it's really important for the payer, for the insurance company or the self-insured company and it's really important for the for the patient. And I think it's going to be even more important going forward. I'm expecting a lot of potential mental health issues going forward. Yeah, goodness gracious. Ugh, that could be its own episode, Gary. I'm gonna... That could be its own episode. So <laughs> yeah. if, you, if you can help the insurance company by delivering accessible, affordable, quality care to that percentage of the population, and remember, by by doing that, you're keeping them off of drugs, you know, from being depressed, from needing yep, yep, yep. even more help down the road, that's preventative. Yep. And I think there's going to be a ton of opportunities to actually help insurance companies. And back to what, you know, we talked about before, which is, can you do the job before you get the job? Can you prove that you can actually make an impact to the point where the payer says, how do I roll this out to everybody? 
And yeah. so you have a lot of opportunities here. And to answer your question, Dan, yes, they will remain standing. Uh, yeah. Well, it, you know, part of me wants to push back because you're a guy that has companies in that space. And my job is to uh, square the circle for for the listeners. But to be frank, I, I can't disagree with you, Gary. You know, I think that mental health, it just doesn't look like that's going to become less of a thing. And I think there is business opportunity there. There is opportunity to do good there. And there's a role for tech with the right fit. And, and uh, that could be another pocket of opportunity for the folks who are thinking about finding those fits and who are tuned in today. I know that's all we have for time on this one. Gary, great to speak with you again, as always. Thanks, Dan. So that's all for this episode of the AI and Business Podcast. If you like what you're hearing here, just know the AI and Business Podcast is kind of the tip of the iceberg of what we do here at Emerge. We're putting out new articles, new reports, new newsletters every single week on cutting-edge AI trends, as well as practical advice for making AI projects happen in the enterprise. Be sure to check out emerj.com, sign up for the newsletter if you're not already there, and connect on social. It's always cool to get good ideas from folks who are subscribers, who are listeners. Some of our best interviewee ideas have come from listener feedback and people who've then kind of connected with us on other channels. So be sure to connect on Twitter uh, and LinkedIn if you're there, and be sure to stay tuned for Thursday's episode where we're going to be talking more about where AI fits in strategically in a post-COVID world. We're going to be talking from an AI strategy perspective from our Making the Business Case episode. That's what we do on Thursdays, and I hope you'll join us. So I look forward to catching you for Thursday's episode here on the AI and Business Podcast. 